Well, it's good to have you with us today. Uh, it's great to uh, gather together. I've noticed in this second service, there's something additionally uh, fun for me, and that is um, I realize that the second service isn't getting recorded, so I can say a couple of different things during the second service that I do uh, during the first, and um, I'll try uh, to, to be careful with that. Uh, I'm going to finish up my sermons, uh, my series called Unknown with a message that we're calling Unknown Love, and I want to quote um, a government official, which I don't do very often, but it, it comes uh, from 2002, and it's former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, and Rumsfeld said this, as we know, there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know that there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. Now, to me, that sounds really similar to what is referred to as different levels of learning. So let me just make a little bit of application as it relates to the love of God. First is the unknown unknown. We don't know what we don't know. And there are things about God's love that you and I do not know and do not understand, and we do not realize that we don't understand it because of how significant ultimately God's love is. In Psalm 145 and verse 3, we read this, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Now, there are reasons why we don't know the things that we don't know. Sometimes it's that maybe a person is not in a, a relationship with Jesus Christ at all, and they are not uh, open to God's love, period. Maybe someone is a follower of Christ, but they're really, uh, they're really not delving into what the love of God means. But Regardless of either of those, even if we are a follower of Christ that fully pursues who God is, God's love is beyond our comprehension, that we cannot comprehend it no matter how hard we may try, we simply cannot come to a place where we understand who he really is. But I want us today to understand that, that although we cannot fully understand it, we can believe the truth of who he ultimately is. The second is there are known unknowns. In other words, there are things that we don't, we know that we don't know. As we come to experience the love of God, as we begin to grow in our relationship with him, there's, we, we realize there's just so much that we, we, can't, we, we just can't comprehend it all. His, his love is so great for us that there's so much of it, and we feel so limited in our understanding of it that no matter how long we serve him, it's just, it's just better all the time. His love for us seems to be just literally beyond what we can understand. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 where the apostle Paul says this. However, as it is written, 
What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. So the closer we grow to him, the more we get to know him, the more we understand that in our own uh, finite humanity, we cannot fully comprehend who God is. We're unable to fathom who he is. And third, there's the known known. As our personal relationship with God grows, we, be, we just come to a place of being convinced that, that we, we are, are so uh, convinced of God's love for us that nothing can, can cause that to falter. That there's nothing that convinces us otherwise because of the experience that we have with God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, the second half of verse 2. I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We know that we know. We're convinced. The apostle Paul was so convinced of God's love for him, that he was willing to go through whatever God had for him. We come to that place that, that literally we would stake our life on it. And, and in fact, I was going to include some things about those who've been martyred, that they literally were so convinced of God's love for humanity that they themselves were willing to die to declare it. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's how convinced he was of God's love for himself. He was wholeheartedly convinced that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. And so I want us to look this morning at a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 that talks about God's love for us. And I want us to look at that today because we, we, we may call it an unknown love, but there are aspects about that love that we can learn, that we can know, that we can understand. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul says this, beginning with the second half of verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Today I'd like to look at this multidimensional love that God has for us. And let's start with how wide is God's love. When we look at that word wide, it means comprehensive, extensive, immense, exhaustive. How extensive, let's make it personal, how extensive is God's love for each of us personally, individually? How extensive is that love? 
about, I think it really was only about a year ago, I got rid of a, a, a book that I had had in my possession for over 30 years. And the book that, that I had was a book that I would use in sermon preparation, but they've come out with this thing uh, called, uh, it's, it's, a, um, it's a program um, that all of a sudden now I use it all the time and it absolutely escapes my mind. But it's a, it's a program where I can search for words in Scripture. Well, for years I had to use uh, what was called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. It was a book about that thick. And I had that book on my shelf and used that book week to week multiple times for, for two and a half decades, we'll say. Um, but, but then all of a sudden, you know, the internet has made things available to us where at the, the touch of our fingers and, and this book that I used, uh, ex- Strong's Exhaustive, Exhaustive Concordance, it was something that I could look up every single word. Now we do that on the computer right now and it's no big deal. But when you're looking at a book, the size of the Bible, and you want to find how many times the word the is used in the Bible, you think, how could that be counted? But in this exhaustive concordance, you could find that, every use of the word the. And so that was something that, that it was exhaustive. It was completely far-reaching. It reached the whole width of Scripture. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that now we have the Internet because that makes a huge difference. In our car insurance here in the state of Michigan, we have to have comprehensive insurance if you owe money on your vehicle. It's required of you. That means simply that if something happens to your vehicle, it is going to be replaced. And so the idea of comprehensive means it will take care of everything except for that little thing that we call a deductible, which means you're still going to have to pay ultimately uh, for whatever that is. But Paul uses this word wide to indicate the far-reaching nature of God's love toward all humanity. That it is so wide that it covers all of humanity. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because the Apostle Paul, probably the most important thing outside of the fact that he was a follower of Jesus, the most... The, the most far-reaching uh, um, detail about his life was that he was Jewish. And as a Jewish man, he was raised in a Jewish home. And he was taught that he was the seed of Abraham, that they were the children of Abraham, that they were God's chosen, and that God was for the Jews and no one else. In fact, they referred to the Gentiles as Gentile dogs. They did not believe that God was there for the Gentiles. And probably for most of us, that would exclude us from God's love, if that indeed were the case. But we see that God took Peter through a, a, a vision where he brought down, I refer to it as a picnic blanket from heaven with food on it, and, and God said, Peter, go ahead, take it and eat it, because I've made it clean. And he was preparing him to go visit Cornelius. He was preparing him to understand that he had sent his son Jesus for the whole world, not just for the Jews. Do you know something that I'm very glad of? And that is that, that 
God doesn't just love those who respond to him. That God loves those who even do not respond to him. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul says that the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus, in his ministry, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we read about this wide, encompassing love. One of the commentaries that I use is a man named Benson. And Benson says that that word wide, it refers to all under heaven. It refers to even those that despise God's love and who will eventually die apart from it. It includes everyone, even those that do not respond to his love. And I'm so glad because at one point I had not responded to his love, but yet his love was wide enough to encompass and include my life. His love is wide. It means every nation. It means every language. It means every tribe. I did not understand the concept of tribe until I went to Africa last summer to where you guys are from, Cameroon. I did not understand that because they talk about villages when they talk about where they are from. They're not just from Cameroon. They're from a particular village. And even though we talk about hometowns, okay? My hometown is not where my dad is from. It's not where my mom is from. It just happened to be where I was from. So the idea of, of every tribe, every language, every, every human that has walked the face of the earth, God's love extends to all of them. And Jesus died for every one of them. Look at what John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 2. Starting at verse 1, he said, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the believer but also for the sins of the whole world. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to die for the sins of the entire world, not only just those who would ultimately respond to Jesus. God's love literally covers every person that has ever been born you might be struggling with that idea that God could love you so much that his love would encompass you. You cannot get too far from him. He, his love extends so wide that it encompasses each and every one of us because it literally reaches all of humanity. His love is wide enough to include you and I. Number two, how long is God's love? 
The word long refers to being prolonged or, or being drawn out. It means lasting. So the question that I want to personalize is, is how far does, does God's love extend into my life? How long? What's, what is the, the duration of that love? Is there, is there a window in my life where God's love is really only available to me during this window? Where God says, you know what, Kevin, you've got this period of time between the time uh, you're, you're 14 and 22, and that's it. That's the window that I ultimately am, am providing for you where you can respond to my love. How long does his love, how, how long is it exposed to me? How long is it available to me? God's love, as we look at the scripture, it, it literally precedes our birth. When you, when you look at what the scripture says, it, it, Jeremiah says it in chapter 1 and in verse 5. He said, before I was formed in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What is that? God, God knows us. He forms us. And if God does not love us, why would he do those things? We were completely aware to him. Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So even before we were born, God knew us. And, and it wasn't just that he was involved in forming us. There's so much more than just that, that God literally, he says, that, that the very hairs of our head are numbered. Now, obviously, that's more difficult for some than others. But literally, Scripture says he records our tears. Think about that. He records our tears. I can't imagine, why, why would a tear be recorded if not for the fact that God loves us, that God cares for us so, so deeply that he would be that aware of what was happening in our lives? The Bible says that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God was certainly aware of my life and your life before we were ever born, he was aware of it and he is still aware of what's happening in our lives. But how do we know that he actually loves us? Paul says in Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You might remember, those of you that were here that day, but on Father's Day uh, several years ago, I had my youngest brother, Mark, come and preach and, and tell his story on Father's Day. And my brother, Mark, was that, that kid in the family that, um, that really strayed far from God. And it took about 10 years uh, between the ages of 19 and 29, and during those years, he really struggled. And um, uh, you think, well, man, how can, how can God love somebody like that? Is God's love, does it really extend, does it really, is it prolonged throughout someone's life when they, when they go away from God to such a degree 
And I sent my brother Mark a text this morning, and I, I said, congratulations, or good morning, Pastor Mark, because today, at the age of 51, he just went on staff uh, at a church in Rockford, Illinois. And, and God restored his life. And he is the father of three kids. Two of them are, are boys that are high school and college. And those kids are serving God and they love God. And my brother honors his wife. And, and he's, he, I'm just proud to see what God has done in his life. God's love extended farther out than my brother's failures. And they were, they were some, some, you know, pretty good failures, and you might think, man, I have failed so much in my life. How could God's love possibly be, be that, that wide, that expansive, that long, where he could extend it beyond my failure? But I want you to know that his love goes far beyond what our failures are. Thirdly, How high is God's love? That word high, it means great, powerful, elevated, and exalted. So let's personalize it. How, how high, how great is God's love in my life, in your life? How great is it? How high is it ultimately? How awesome is that love? Psalm 108, rather, verse 4, the psalmist said, For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. What we're saying is that the love of God in comparison to all other forms of love is higher than any other type of love that may exist. How, how high is that love? Well, this morning, uh, I, I was on Facebook uh, just, you know, checking in this morning, and um, I noticed that there's uh, a couple here from the church, and they took a trip this weekend to Minneapolis to be with their oldest daughter and her husband, and they were there for the one-year birthday party for their first grandchild. And if I asked that family, you know, who loves this little girl the most, they would say, Oh, man, you know, we'd have to answer her parents, you know, mom and dad. But really, it's grandma and grandpa that they, we probably think love that baby the most. I, I, I didn't think that was even possible till I became a grandparent. And, and our little grandson, Levi, I, I just, I, I can't imagine loving somebody any more than I love him. And I know that his mom and dad love him more than I do. But just think that, that that love that we have, the most intense, the most undeserved, the most, um, the most incredible love that you can imagine, the, and it's, it's a love that, that you know, is, it's so, because it's, it's giving, it's all about giving, okay? Imagine that God's love blows that out of the water. That God's love is so much greater than even that love. We find it very hard to comprehend a love like that. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had a, a vision. And it was a vision of, of God's presence. 
And in that vision, he was in the throne room, and, and it says in chapter 6, verse 1, in the, king, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In this vision, <clears throat> Isaiah saw angelic beings called seraphim that flew in the air in that throne room. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And they declared the praises of God. And they, they literally cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they're declaring the glory of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Isaiah said that the... The threshold of the of uh, the doorposts of the threshold shook with the sound of their worship. Why? Why were they worshiping God that that way? It was because He is high and lifted up. When you think about the idea of a throne, whenever you've seen a picture of a throne, what do you see in front of that throne? It's usually steps so that the person who is on that throne is elevated higher than anyone else in the room. Well, God doesn't need to have steps on his throne because he simply is elevated above everyone else in the room. But his love for us comes out of who he is, and that love is high. Look at what John says, or what Jesus says, rather, in John chapter 15 and verse 13, when he says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. God's love for you and I is literally out of this world, and there is nothing that compares to that love. And you might think to yourself, you know, I, I just don't know if, if I'm... I'm worthy of such a great love as this. I don't know that, that I've done anything that I would really deserve to, to be loved in this fashion. You know, my grandson hasn't done anything other than be my grandson that makes himself worthy or deserving of my love. In fact, he throws food on my carpet. Okay? He... Okay, this is, we're not, we're not live streaming, so I can do this. He puked on me one day. It was so bad, my daughter-in-law laughed. It was unbelievable. I didn't know that a baby could hold that much inside of them. And he was happy. He felt better. He, I'm literally, he's, I'm holding, it was like a lake all around me, okay? That child technically has done nothing other than smile, and he's starting to say words that start with a G. And my daughter-in-law says, he's saying, Grandpa, you know, that makes me feel good, but he hasn't really done anything to earn my love. We, we don't earn God's love. It's there, he loves us beyond measure. Number four, how deep is God's love? The word deep means profound. It means intense, immeasurable. So the question is how profound, how deep is God's love toward me, toward you? How deep does it really extend? There was a, 
a piece that was written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and, and the title of it was, How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways. And in that piece, she talks about how love is, is this powerful force, okay? And talking about love in the sense of, of love between a man and a woman, that, that love can conquer all. And I wish that, that, that every couple that I ever, uh, I ever uh, stood before that made vows of love and fidelity, I wish that every one of them were still together. But the reality is that some of them are not because the love that they professed for one another did not conquer all. So what's the difference between God's love for you and I and our love that we would have for a spouse? And there's a lot of differences, but I'm just going to focus on one. And the one that I'm going to focus on is this, that our love most of the time requires reciprocity. It requires that someone love us back. Now, you know, I I told you about my grandson Levi, but, you know, when when we love people, We expect that they're going to display love back to us. And that is such a difference because God's love does not require. I I wish I could say that I I was a great enough person that if you don't love me, that I can love you just the same way that I would if you loved me. I'd like to be able to say that I'm, I'm that, that good of a person, but I, I, I don't know that it's possible. But no matter how we respond to God, God loves us. Look at what Micah the prophet said in Micah seven nineteen. He said, you will again have compassion on us. Micah is saying that God has once had compassion on Israel, but Israel had walked away from God. And Micah is saying God will again have compassion on you. Hebrews says that God will remember our sin no more. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, where it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We know that Jesus died for us. He died for our sins. And yet, Scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that we will sin again. And yet, God has still offered and extended his love and his forgiveness toward us. He's willing to forgive us. In Psalm 103, beginning at verse 10, we read, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us i'm so glad that god does not repay us for our sin i'm so glad now, the Bible says that one day we will give an account for all of our sin, but, but God does not consume us. When I fail, God does not say, Kevin, you're done. He offers us his love. He offers us his forgiveness. 
I love what Peter says, God would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So today, I don't know exactly where you are, but if you are struggling and wondering, does God really love me? Are you wondering, am I really worthy of his love? I want you to know that there's nothing that you could do to earn it but he loves you anyway. I can't be good enough. I can't be perfect enough to earn his love. And yet he offers it to us anyway. I'm so glad. Paul wanted the believers in the first century, he wanted them to understand the mystery that was the love of God. God's love, it's wide, it's long, it's high, and it's deep. It's not one-dimensional. And it's so great that we cannot comprehend it. And if you're struggling today, my prayer is that you will open your heart and simply say, God, I want to experience your love. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that your love extends beyond our failures. Your love it, it, out, it outlasts our unworthiness. Your love encompasses every aspect of our lives. Your love is not dependent on us loving you. In fact, your word said this is how we know what love is. Not that we loved you, but that you loved us. And so we thank you for loving us even when we have not responded to you and to your love. And Father, I pray for that person that is struggling today, struggling to feel like they're even worthy of it, struggling to wonder, could God ever care for me in the midst of all my failures? Father, I, I thank you that your love is so unfathomable. It goes beyond what it, we could ever imagine. Beyond all our failures and extends to every aspect of our lives. I pray today for that person that's been struggling that they would simply say, God, I need your love. Forgive us when we look at ourselves, our unworthiness, our unfaithfulness, when we look at, at, at how we don't measure up and thinking, how could God ever love me? Instead of looking at your love and the extent of it, Father, I thank you that you are still extending your love toward us. And I pray that we will open our hearts and simply say, God, I need that love in my life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have taken that step today, I want you to reach out 
You can uh, stop and check with me after the service. You can let us know online, and we'd like to put some things in your hands to help you in this journey with the Lord. It's been great to be with you today, and I pray God's blessing on you today. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.